Thank you all for tuning in to the Your Edge podcast. I'm Therese Van Ryn, Global Director of Public Relations at Zebra Technologies, and I have three very special guests with me today to help celebrate International Nurses Day. Ricky Jennings is the Chief Nursing Informatics Officer for Zebra. Elizabeth Miller is the healthcare lead for Zebra in the Australian and New Zealand markets. And my daughter, Alex Van Ryan, is a senior at Florida Southern College, who has been a nursing informatics intern for Zebra's North America healthcare sales team since May of 2019. Ricky and Elizabeth are registered nurses, and Alex will earn her Bachelor of Science in Nursing degree this weekend and will become a registered nurse in June. All of them have been on the front lines of public health crises in various capacities, including the COVID-19 pandemic. So I've asked them to share some of their personal experiences along with key learnings from the past year. I'm so glad we're all able to connect today. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for having us. Thanks for the opportunity. You bet. Ricky, I'd love to start with you. With today being International Nurses Day, I wanted to start by asking how nurses are doing right now. I know they're resilient, but they are also human, and the last year has been tough. Even though the vaccination rate is increasing, COVID-19 is still taking its toll on communities around the world. How do you think nurses are feeling? Are they feeling supported? Thanks, Therese. You know, it's so important to remember that nursing has always had a steadfast commitment to serving and protecting our communities. The resilience that's been demonstrated in response to the global health crisis reinforced that commitment and its understanding. Our frontline care providers responded without waiver, prioritizing patient care, advocating for innovation, and led protocols that were influential in charting our path forward. They continue to do so day in and day out as we continue to face challenges. It's important to note that these increased demands, however, have really not gone without impact. There certainly is concerns over exhaustion, burnout, and mental health consequences, and it's very real in our healthcare workforce. It's critical now even more than ever that we honor and support the profound work of nurses around the globe. Elizabeth, would you agree with Ricky or is the sentiment in APAC different? No, I, I totally agree, uh, Teresa. I think Ricky's uh, really s- summarised the um, the sense of the nursing community in that we are a resilient um, individual group of people. And whilst there is an underlying uh, fatigue, we are very strong advocates for patients in our care. And we continue to do that with optimism and positivity Um, in our day-to-day duties, just as Florence Nightingale did all those years ago when she became a nurse in, I think it was 1851, she travelled to Turkey to aid the British soldiers during the Crimean War. I mean, it was just remarkable under those terms and conditions. So I think despite the the global situation that we're in, uh, the nurses are front and centre and strong and and really being strong advocates for for, um, the community and people in hospitals. Mm -hmm. Alex, I'm curious about your perspective on the current state of healthcare. You're in your final days of nursing school and much of your education and experience was gained while we're in the throes of the pandemic. Do you feel prepared for the role nurses are being asked to fulfill right now? That's a great question. And I think that's really been a hot topic in nursing education right now is are nursing students going to be prepared given that 
a lot of our nursing education has been during a pandemic. Um, a lot of people are concerned about, you know, the lack of clinical judgment skills because we aren't really having as many opportunities to apply clinical knowledge in the hospital since so many of our clinical hours have been cut short. So in that way, it is a little bit harder to feel prepared. But in a lot of ways, I feel more prepared than maybe past nursing classes did. I think the class of 2021 nursing graduates are going to be the most adaptable, agile, and well-equipped to handle any unexpected situation that comes our way. And those skills are invaluable in the nursing world. So I feel overall pretty prepared and excited to be able to contribute and start helping patients. And just overall, I am very excited about the current state of healthcare. I think it's evolving and growing in a positive direction so quickly, and that's a really great thing. So although the pandemic has brought its challenges, I think there are positives that can be taken from the situation. That's great to hear. Alex, I know you've been spending a lot of time in different healthcare settings during your final year of nursing school. And I'm curious, have you seen patient care models change significantly in recent months? And if so, do you think those challenges will be sustained long-term? Patient care models have changed quite a bit in the last year. Um, of course, there's a much bigger emphasis on COVID. When I was working in the emergency department this past semester, COVID swabs were always a priority for our patients that were coming in. Our patients weren't allowed to bring in a visitor with them anymore. And that makes it a lot harder on nurses because usually when we're doing our assessments on a patient who's having an acute healthcare issue, it's really valuable to have a loved one with them that can help explain a little bit more about their health history or what might be going on. But we don't really have that resource anymore. And of course, it's hard for the patient not to have that support system. So that's definitely changed patient care models. Um, and also, of course, there's so many more technology solutions that are being added to uh, patient care models in the hospitals. I think a big example of that is digital front doors are a big thing now. Um, patients aren't being seen for the first time a lot of times in the hospital waiting room, they are being evaluated online and asked to register online as an initial screening. So that's definitely a way that patient care models have changed. Uh, there's definitely a bigger emphasis on home health. And I think nurses and nurse practitioners are even playing a bigger role because we really need non-physicians to step up since, um, you know, of course we could always use more healthcare providers. So I think, you know, those are a lot of the different ways that there's been changes in patient care models. And on top of that, um, to answer the question, if I think that these will be sustained long-term, I do think the world of healthcare has been changed forever because of the pandemic. And I think that we will always take COVID into a consideration um, in screening patients. Mm -hmm. Very good. Ricky and Elizabeth, you both spend your days working with healthcare systems to identify bottlenecks in their processes, gaps in their tool sets, and other critical pain points. What key themes have emerged in your recent conversations? What are the priorities right now as it relates to supporting nurses and improving patient care capabilities? 
Ricky, I'll let you go first. Sure, I'll jump in. Those advanced care models that Alex referenced really are so indicative of the rapid pace of innovation that has occurred in healthcare. Really, trends and comments I've heard time and time again that five-year plans were condensed into a matter of days um, or even weeks. Um, organizations are, are talking frequently about what we're calling an accelerated digital strategies. These evolve care models and enable this concept of care anywhere, um, meaning being able to deliver patient care, whether that's within the four walls of the hospital or in, in the patient's home or even uh, in alternative care settings that we saw occur so frequently in our pandemic response. Key priorities and themes that stand out to me are focusing on technologies that drive connectivity. These technologies support data sharing and enable communication. So be that connecting care providers with one another who are in the same facility or perhaps a, uh, the same health system, or even um, in the context of pandemic response, enable clinicians to connect, share information and strategize um, regardless of location, this remote environment we're working in. And additionally, it has been increasingly important for clinicians to be able to better communicate with their patients and their patients' family through new innovative ways. And I'll just uh, compliment what Ricky's saying, but I, I just want to touch on a few comments that Alex made. I'm, I'm very excited and encouraged that uh, upcoming nurses have that um, approach uh, and wisdom in terms of, you're quite right, where a partner can't actually attend a hospital uh, when they're being treated because you can get additional information for that and that the fact that you're going to be flexible and adaptable for such things like uh, COVID-19 uh, moving forward. But at a local level here in ANZ, there's been a myriad of things discussed with clinicians today in the workplace moving forward. And Alex certainly touched on a few. Um, the other, the main thing really is about having a safe workplace environment in the hospital. And in terms of the technology, I'm currently working uh, on a couple of projects in hospitals where they're wanting to track staff. So as patients come in for outpatient clinics for surgical procedures, the staff um, within the hospital are moving around freely and safely. Uh, and also um, that would also work towards or contribute to um, future third waves, for, for example. And also we're moving towards um, home healthcare. So they're trying to keep a lot of patients out of the hospitals and treating them in the homes. And on top of that, this uh, whole embracement of digital technology has really um, accelerated what hospitals are doing uh, and have done in the past. So they're sort of the priorities, uh, certainly at a local level, where they're embracing their technology to improve their IT capabilities and, and functionalities to make sure that uh, everyone's working in a safer environment. Mm -hmm. Elizabeth, you talked about how technology is being applied to solve some problems, right? Are there other issues that are being resolved through technology and helping nurses achieve core care, core care objectives? Yeah, look, I think um, embracing the technology is also uh, what we touch on about hospital um, patient data and the security of that. Uh, that's becoming, uh, unfortunately, an increasing global matter. So I think a lot of hospitals are, are trying to fast track uh, the adoption of technology to uh, protect patient information and at the same time when the uh, nurses and the clinicians are going about their day-to-day -day sort of functionality can actually know that they're working in a in a safe protective environment knowing that they're going to have that information uh, restricted to only those that need access to it. 
Very good. I'm curious, and all of you, please feel free to answer this one. Are there certain technology tools that have been proven most helpful in recent months based on feedback you're receiving from nurses directly? Okay. Or go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, um, one of our states here in, in uh, Australia is the health department has set up uh, for the vaccine administration um, of the for the COVID nineteen. They're using uh, our, our printer scanners and wristbands for positive patient identification before being vaccinated. I'm not sure what's happening in in other parts of the world, but we have uh, criteria where certain people of certain ages can have it at a certain time. So having this positive patient identification put on prior to receiving the vaccination, in my view, is best practice and it's minimising the risk of incorrect medication administration. So um, I think it's been fantastic. Elizabeth, I really appreciate the point you're making because I think it's so true. While response has driven innovation and accelerated adoption to meet needs, whether that was in volume, patient volumes or staffing challenges, foundational technologies that have been in place to protect patient safety became even more critical, uh, both because of the heightened acuity of patients, because of the um, increased volume of patients. So um, technologies routed in ensuring that the right patients receiving the right care at the right time became foundational, both in response, but as well as um, how organizations prepare for the future. You had made a comment earlier about um, increased prioritization of patient locationing. I think we're seeing this in so many places with it an increased desire to understand that real-time information as to where assets are, where staff are, where patients are, um, that has not only been a, a heightened visibility of challenges faced over the last year, but as we look to learn from our response and identify um, how to be better prepared in the future, having mm -hmm. that access has been absolutely a technology that's been um, uh, prioritized and of great interest uh, for health systems. Yeah, I agree. I agree with the, um, the comments that Ricky and Elizabeth have made. And I would also add on top of that, I think telehealth interactions between physicians and patients have become even more common because of the pandemic. And I would see several times during my shift in the emergency department this past semester, physicians who would log on via computer and communicate with patients and assess patients that way. And um, it was a really great experience because it took so many healthcare providers working together, assessing in person, having someone who was an expert in the specific case that the client was dealing with over telehealth was just very helpful. So I think, you know, those virtual interactions are becoming a lot more common and they've proved very helpful during the pandemic. Remote monitoring with wearable devices has become, I think, even more common. I think it was growing before the pandemic and now it's even, it's growing even more. And I think those are, you know, really important. And I think the final thing I would add too is I've seen even 3D printing with all the PPE uh, shortages that we've seen during the pandemic. I think 3D printing of the PPE in different areas that are lacking it has become a really great technology solution that we found. So I think there's a lot of great technology solutions and um, it's very exciting to see all the new innovation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Ricky, last year we asked nurses around the world to tell us how technology could be better utilized in clinical settings, and we received a number of very innovative ideas. Can you talk a little bit about the value of including the clinical voice in driving technology innovation at Zebra and across the global healthcare community? Absolutely. I think just listening to this dialogue, and Alex, you particularly just said something about the adoption of virtual care and telehealth, which you are so right in terms of it. It has absolutely um, boomed, for lack of a better worm, word, in the response to the global pandemic. And something you stood out there, which I think is a absolutely indicative as to why it's so important to include clinical voice, voice into technology design, as you made a remark on clinicians banding together to incorporate virtual care and telehealth into the day-in-day environment. Uh, tech, in order for technology to be successful at the point of care, to act, to reach adoption, to reach the desired metrics, it has to be designed with a strong understanding of the workflows it is intended to support. And to do that, you absolutely have to have the end user involved in discussions, in design, and to prioritization. Um, something I've heard several times, quite fortunately, working with organizations um, in pandemic response, and even prior to this, is it's encouraging to hear them say that their decisions, their strategies, their priorities were designed by asking a very simple question to their frontline workforce. What do you need? And that alone has is so critical into driving success and really developing solutions that actually will influence patient care deliveries moving forward. Hmm. Nurses have been lauded time and again for their heroics this past year, yet I know public support may be waning a bit as pandemic fatigue sets in. What can we do on International Nurses Day and every day to ensure they know how grateful we are for their compassionate care. Elizabeth, what are your thoughts? Well, I thought um, uh, the Prime Minister uh, of England, Boris Johnson, was um, talking about, you know, clapping um, and acknowledging our frontline uh, nurses. But for me personally, I, I would just go up, and this is just me being me, I'd just go up to um, the, the nurse or the doctor, the frontline worker, and just say thank you with a great big smile on my face because... I think that's a very powerful message. Elizabeth, I love powerful. I like that. <laughs> I absolutely love that sentiment. I think that that is exactly what it's about. It's about saying thank you. It's about creating this acknowledgement, having spaces like this to recognize their efforts um, now in the past and incredibly important in the future. Thank you. Yes, I'd agree. I think the simplicity of just a thank you is so, you know, under undervalued sometimes because I I think that, you know, it is it is such a simple way to show your appreciation and it really does mean a lot. Uh so I I think it's funny this reminded me of something that had happened, you know, in my time in the ED and there was a time where the unit was just so busy and everyone was running around and the nurses were so busy. And I think we were so just focused on making sure every patient was getting the care that they needed. And we even had some patients in hallways. It was just kind of a crazy situation, which is how the ED can be sometimes. But some of the uh, patients started clapping for us and around the whole unit, 
you know, everyone just joined in and it was honestly really amazing, almost, you know, bringing me to tears really, because I think day to day, you know, we're not in this profession to be thanked or to be appreciated or to receive any kind of recognition. We truly just want to help it. But, you know, every once in a while, just even those small gestures of saying a thank you or, uh, you know, clapping as silly as it may seem, were really, really appreciated. And it just made our jobs even more rewarding. So um, that was a really, really neat thing to be able to be a part of. That's a great story to end on, Alex. I, I personally want to thank the three of you for your engagement in nursing and, and the patient care that you're delivering and have delivered. So thank you from me. <laughs> and also to our broader audience, please know that everyone at Zebra Nation is beyond grateful for the kindness, dedication, and comfort that nurses have shown us and our loved ones over the years. Your hard work, patience, and passion are both recognized and valued beyond measure. And I want to thank the three of you especially for being such strong advocates for quality care in your clinical practice and as technologists. I also want to thank our listeners for tuning, tuning into this special episode of the Your Edge podcast. You can catch up on our past conversations with Ricky Elizabeth and our other global healthcare leaders on our Your Edge blog, and also subscribe to bi-weekly alerts about new podcast and blog content. I'm Therese Van Ryan signing off until next time. Happy, Happy International, International Nurses, Nurses Day. Day. <laughs>